Hello, this is Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and today I'm going to be chatting to the phenomenal Game of Thrones actress Lena Headey about her happy place and how she gets there after a day being evil on set. We all have the same shit going on up there, the same self-doubt, those moments where you think, I can't, you know, it's just important to keep talking about it. It's quite a frank interview and quite sweary in places too. Perhaps that's what happens when actors don't have a script, you see. So you can look forward to that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And now, here's the show. So I am back in Soho today, searching out a studio that I'm going to occupy with a brilliant actress, someone that I adore for many reasons. She is hugely known around the world because of her fantastic character, Cersei Lannister, in Game of Thrones. She is nothing like her character in any way, shape or form. It's the wonderful Lena Headey. Now, I want to talk to her for a lot of reasons. One of them is, especially on her social media, she seems to speak out about many issues that she is very passionate about and that she's very understanding of. She really puts herself out there and talks openly from the heart in a very authentic way. And she seems to always really want to help other people. And she doesn't really have to do that. It's a beautiful thing that she does, but it's certainly not something that she has to do for her job or for her sort of character work. So I really want to quiz her about that today and talk about empathy and the fact that perhaps many of us are becoming sort of disconnected to empathy due to how quick the world has become, how fast we're living, the digital world. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing her today. I've never met her either, which is very exciting. So let's find the studio and then chat to wonderful Lena. Lena, so lovely to pin you down because you were travelling all over the shop. So to have you here is wonderful. Oh, yes, thanks for having me. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Um, I want to talk to you today about empathy because as someone who sort of watches you from afar on social media and and in your career you seem like someone who's very willing to take risks and to speak up and to have your say and a lot of the time for the good of other people as well would you say that's true yeah it's funny to talk about these things because you always feel like I don't want to sound like a sort of preacher for like yeah I just do good stuff you know I don't (laughs) I'm an absolute mess but I do find being in a privileged position like I, I find myself right now and that may change sort of just speaking out for people that can't mm. and continually being a voice that needs to be heard do you know what I mean and especially about things that aren't cool to talk about that really moves me Part of the reason I'm chatting with Lena today is because of an Instagram post she wrote a couple of years ago, which has really stayed with me and a lot of other people too. This is what popped up on my feed that day. Here's the wonderful thing about depression. 
It means connection to a deeper conscience. It means deeper thoughts, battling fears and raising hell. It's not easy. It's not in any way comforting. It's a gift you don't want. I have it. I learn to tackle it differently. A silent surrender. I listen and I wait until it is done with me. My bones are more surface, my skin is more torn, and each time I love myself more. Remember this part, this is the secret. When you have a moment of quiet, a moment that carries some light, promise yourself you will always love you. You are worth loving. End of. That post, I've had quite a tumultuous time, and... I'd moved back from California and I was living at my parents with my children and I am over 40 and that's quite intense. And I wrote it sitting in my mum's front room, I think. And it's not, you know, I don't write things like that where I'm like, ah, on my knees. I just find it. I also find all those feelings fascinating to me. You know, I first felt depression when I was about 14 years old and um, didn't know what it was then, and not many people did. I remember going to a doctor because I ran away from home. My mom kind of took me in to see a doctor after, and he was like, she has manic depression or something. I, d- I don't think he knew, do you know what I mean? But nothing was done about it, and nothing was really spoken about, so I just kind of muddled my way through that moment. And since then... I kind of listened to it a bit because I think there's no point running away or trying to kind of bury yourself under something. It's like it will, in my case, finally go. I've become, I've come to know it does leave me, but it comes and goes, you know, it comes and goes in my life. That's what I liked in that post that you'd written a very lovely line about sort of surrendering to it. So you're not fighting it or burying it and you are you know that it will be a natural cycle of whatever that will be and it will then go in its time. Yeah. Did you think at the time when you decided to, to share that that you would be also helping a lot of other people out there by, by sharing that? You know, when you put something out like that, you get back... A lot of people going, it's all right, you're going to be all right. And that's very lovely. But I don't put things out there to receive kind of words of, you know, they're very nice and, and, and community driven. But I just put things out because I'm feeling them, because I think they're very relevant. I think, I know you're a huge advocate for mental health. Mm. When I was growing up, people didn't talk about it. Yeah. And you think, oh, we've come so far. I mean, I'm quite old now. But it was so not discussed and so I, again, for my kids, I'm like, I'm always asking them, you know, you've got to talk about how you feel. And it's normal to feel all these things. And I was never told that as a kid through no fault of my parents. Things have just changed and become more open. So mm. I think that's what I strive for is that nothing is off the cards. We've got to talk about all the stuff, the ugly and the beautiful and the kind of painful. It's got to be out there. Sort of sympathy aside when people are saying, oh, it's going to be okay," Has opening up started a bigger conversation for you? Have you had people come to you maybe telling their story, sharing to you? And how has that made you feel? Um, Not sort of one to one, but, you know, feedback and stuff on Instagram. People just saying, God, that really struck me in a way that I needed today. Do you know what I mean? Or gave me some words that perhaps I didn't have to express it 
So, you know, I just think even if you change the opinion of one person or you, you know, affect change in a positive way in one person, that's a good thing. I mean, you can't, you know, it's not like waves of it, but slowly, slowly. Yeah, as you say, if it's one person, like that's how I felt when I wrote my book. Even if one person reads this, wicked, job done. You've helped one person or made them think slightly differently. Yeah, no, congrats thing. on your book. Oh, no, cool. honestly, you don't have to say that. It's lovely of you. Oh, no, I don't. Um... <laughs> Accept it. Um, I'll have the compliment. There you go. Do you think (laughs) part of you rebels against what has previously been seen as as sort of a very glamorous industry and a sort of whole you know world of TV and cinema and Hollywood? That for you being very authentic and talking about things like depression, which can be tough to talk about, that's a sort of an inner rebellion that's going on slightly. You know, people that are actors and writers and directors and painters and poets and street cleaners and working we all have the same shit going on up there the same self-doubt those moments where you think I can't you know it's just important to keep talking about it and the sort of myth that the industry I'm in is sort of glamorous and and sort of endlessly gorgeous and an arena of joy and light and zhuzh is bollocks so <laughs> it that's not my life mm. I love doing what I do I l- love being an actor and getting the chance to do that but it's sort of shifted a lot into the physical and the selling of everything and I fucking hate that yeah so is it perhaps important for you to sort of show probably more predominantly a younger generation like don't believe the myth like it's great and I love my job but it's not all of this stuff it's a bit of it yeah I mean for me that's my experience and there are some you know brilliant new generation actors who also are using these platforms we have for just great stuff and I love them Mm. I love them. I love reading. I love watching their feeds because it's just exciting. And you're like, yeah, there you go. That's what we need. Yeah, that is exciting. Mm. Was there for you a, a sort of seminal moment where you decided, I'm going down that route. I'm going to be very real here. And, and that might be tougher, but I'm going to do it. You know, I've been acting for a long, long time. And success in terms of being like seen on a successful show came to me quite late. So I had one child already and I think parenthood changes you immensely mm. and there's no choice but to be authentic. I don't have time to be anything yeah. else. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I just shaved my legs this morning and I was like, how embarrassing. There were lines of hair that were going up my leg and I was like, why is it not working? I was like, it was blocked with... <laughs> Literally, if anyone had seen my legs this morning, it would have been terrified. Yeah, I love that. I was like, that's... But I like that you show that. You don't have to. Like, you know, I'm not saying that you I actually are shaving your legs on Instagram, but, but you do no. talk about, you could do, but you talk about very real like things. And, I, and it is harder because I think then you open yourself up to more opinion. And I personally try and do yes. the same sort of thing. People can then have a say on what you're doing and your thoughts. How yeah. do you process that magnitude and level of noise around you when people do have an opinion on what you're talking about or what you're sharing? It's like you. No, I, I follow you on Instagram, stalker. <laughs> and, you know, same thing. I read some of your comments and it's hard not to engage because you mm. kind of want, but it's pointless because that mm. person's never going to come sit with you and hear you out. It becomes a sort of endless conversation that isn't positive or helpful to anybody. So I never really read them. I read other people's shitty things because mm. I want to then stand up and go, do you know what? Fuck off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're stupid. yeah. One-liner that's bollocks. Mm. It, it just... So I just ignore them. 
How do you think you use empathy within your acting career? You know, when I read stuff, it's like with Thrones, the character of Cersei was pretty one-dimensional, kind of pure evil. And I went to read for David and Dan and they were like, oh, you made her really funny and quite vulnerable. And I was like, yeah, because we all have all shades, you know what I mean? No one's really dark, no one's super great. You know, we're all kind of a bit of a dirty, beautiful mess. And i that's what I find in all of the characters I get to play, is I'm not asking for someone to dislike me or like me, I just want to sort of put it out there, do you know what I mean? Well, that's why it works, isn't it? Your character, as you said, she can be cold-hearted and 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 it could be quite one-dimensional. But mm. is it important for you then, say with Cersei Lannister, that you've sat beforehand and you've rooted back to why she's behaving like that and you have a deeper understanding of where that impetus is coming from? Yeah, exactly. I mean, she, you know, you think about her, I, I always think, oh, she was raised by two... Well, her mother died she blames her brother for that she's got no empathy or love which she kind of does for him and she's been raised by a totally inadequate father who cannot love her as she needs to be loved and then she becomes a mother through that and tries to kind of make up her loss as we find in parenting a lot you know you try and make up your parents I won't say mistakes (laughs) gaps with your own parenting. Gaps is a great word. Gaps. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I, I just... She's driven by her desire to be a good and protective mother and it's misguided, but she didn't have an example. So is that something, that, like a process that you'll go through? Say you're reading a scene or your character's about to go into a new experience and, mm. and go through something else, that... Each move, you have to root back to to why and how and and have that extra level of feeling for, you know, her motivation. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I think because, you know, I'm I'm a real nerd about what I do and I write a lot of emails to writers. (laughs) I'm like, do you think... And I'm sure they're like, oh, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Just read the lines. Just say it. (laughs) But I have to have, like, a rich history within that scene because when you do it, all day, it becomes really fucking boring. That's the other myth. Do you know what I mean? Saying the same line for 16 hours makes you want to just do something fucking mental, but then you'd be fired. So it's like, at least if I go in with a bag of stuff Mm. all day, it's like eating, you know, going, oh, "Oh, that's that's quite nice. So you might change it slightly. Yeah, I think, shall I bring a bit more of that in? And, Mm. you know, and I try not to learn my lines that well either. Really? That's (laughs) not just quite lazy. Well, because I like to reach for them a little bit. Nice. Because then you start, again, it's like... You're on your toes. Well, yeah, because by hour 10, you're like, oh, you know. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are incredibly passionate and understanding about not only people who have experienced similarly to you mental health issues, but also people who you might not necessarily have ever met in your career. And I know you've done a lot with refugee charities recently. Can you tell us about that and your recent visit? 
Yes, I um, work with the IRC, the International Rescue Committee, and they do incredible work throughout the world where there are, you know, crises happening and they sort of re-establish, get people to safety and sort of enable them to kickstart a new life that they didn't necessarily want, as some people seem to believe, strangely, that people want to come and live and take money. They don't. And again, you know, my kids, it's, this is not going to change. This is a global issue and people aren't suddenly going to stop needing to be safe. And as we discover now, wars are not going to stop. Wars make money. And um, we don't seem to learn. So this is going to continue. And we need to find a more compassionate, patient way forward in our new world. And that's just very important to me. You know, and I meet people and it just breaks my heart. How did it feel to sit and, and talk to other mums and, and women who had been through such devastation and trauma? Mm. It's, I feel really privileged because I'm, a, I'm able to sort of get out of my, uh, you know, what's that word? I can't think of any words today. <laughs> my head's full of snot. What's that word? It begins with C. Contentment? Not contentment, the bad word. Complacency. Complacency. Yes. Excellent. I like it when we find a word. (laughs) To be sort of taken out of that. You know, I used to travel to India a lot when I was young because of that reason. I used to feel kind of stuck in this world and think, why am I fucking complaining? Like, I've got all the things. So I would go there and go, you really fucking do. Now go home, put it into action. And so meeting these women who, you know, have come from Syria in this particular instant have lost everything, including people they love, and come to a country where they don't speak a language and they're 40, 45 years old with children and their husbands are either dead or stuck back in Syria. And they have to start their lives again. And every single one of them said to me, I just want to contribute. I want to be part of my new life. I want to be part of society so my children can come and be part of society because the kids are ostracised as well, really horribly. And so they're there. They're like, I'm willing to learn a whole new language. And it's German. <laughs> and, <laughs> and do jobs that maybe if they were a teacher and now they're coming into Germany and the only chance for them to get employment is to be a domestic worker. And, and they're willing. They're willing to do mm. it, to do the work, to become part of society. It's interesting that you had all of these feelings and that urge way before you were in the position you're you're at now. So when you were younger and you were travelling around India, that was kind of a burning desire that was born from anything in particular Always. or it was just there? I see stuff, do you know what I mean? I, things move me. But that is empathy, isn't it? Truly feeling things with other people mm-hmm. or for other people. And that can be a real blessing but I think also slightly a burden because mm. having known you for all of about 20 minutes, I can see that <laughs> you'd be someone that isn't going to walk out of that situation in Germany going, oh, that was a nice trip back to, you know, the film set. You carry that with you and, and it's yeah. hard to not. So how do you take that story with you and use it in a really positive way, but not let it just completely tear you apart, especially as, you know, you've dealt with depression yourself. How Mm -hmm. do you not allow that to sort of make you personally crumble so that you can still be of service to those people that you so desperately want to help? Well, you know, I do. I've got a very lovely existence with my my kids 
are my world and thankfully hilarious and brilliant. And uh, I just go back there and I think I'll never stop doing that. So I know I have two lives kind of thing and they both meet somewhere in the middle. But once you've opened that door, I, I can't close it. You know, I've looked people in the face and said, I'll, I'll be back and I'll, and I'll keep speaking for you and I'll come and see. And I can't not do that. Mm. And it's kids. I'm telling kids raise my awareness of myself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not totally. going to tell them to keep a promise and not lie because mm. I don't want to do that either. Do you ever feel when you are speaking out about things and you're very passionate about certain subjects, a worry about how that might affect you being cast in other roles or anything else? Does that ever have bearing on people's decision making around you as an actress? It might. But you just don't care? Don't care. Because I would assume sometimes there could be a fear, probably more so when you're starting out in your career. I mean, you're told to not say certain things. You're sure. told to not talk about, you know, I mean, I've mm. always been told and I've always gone, doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. As an actor, I like to move people in my life. I can't, you know, I'm authentically me. That is it. When I was growing up in the industry, when I was younger, you were had to be pretty and, you know, you didn't really talk about anything that was not sort of lovely and, you know, that was it. You didn't talk about ever being sad or drugs or, you know, where you came from. That wasn't really mentioned. And then as I got older, they were like, don't say your age. Do you know what I mean? At a certain point. And I remember writing my age and they went, what What do you mean? I went, but I am. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I don't want someone to go, oh, God, you do look 45. (laughs) And you're like, I'm 29. It's so bizarre (laughs) that that's nonsense, isn't it? It's such an archaic way of thinking and it's so bizarre that that's still... I mean, it's it's changing. Yeah. This is the joy. I've been through, I feel like I've been through the whole Mm. thing. And like I say, the younger generation now, like Maisie Williams, who's on our show, who's a brilliant voice and clever and funny and bright and uses what she has for very clever conversation starting and then like Florence Pugh who I work with and there are loads of women like that young women in this industry and other that use their platform and it really excites me and I think I've you know I started when they were like shh, 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 no, nobody she's 12 and she's never da, da, da. <laughs> and then I've come through the thing where I've always thought fuck it I'm gonna say what I want that's now being encouraged which is great. And you've helped that as well, undoubtedly. I think if you're speaking your mind and other actresses who are starting their careers see it, that's inspiring and that's attractive to want to emulate if it feels natural to you. Yeah, maybe to some of them. (laughs) I think so, certainly. Is it difficult oscillating between those two extremely different worlds that you put yourself in? So you're, you know, one week, sitting with people that have been through devastation and and you want to help them and then the next minute you're doing your job you love but there can be a lot of bizarreness around that industry as we all know <laughs> yeah do you ever find yourself yeah. in that situation at work where you go you know you're enjoying the job but maybe you have to go to events or awards things where you just think come on now this is silly often I find myself and how do you deal with situation. that then gin Right, mainly quite a lot of gym. <laughs> I, do, I do find myself just sort of staring around the room and thinking, wow, you know, mm. I, I get it. I, I'm just, I've just never been good at that either, the small, chatty kind of, hi, and da 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 and people mm. really are. And I admire it. I don't kind of sit there thinking, oh, I, I literally think, how do you fucking do that? Yeah. <laughs> That's extraordinary. Small talk is awful, oh, isn't it? Oh, it makes my fanny hurt. <laughs> I can't bear it. <laughs> It is excruciating, I know. It's excruciating, and especially when 
it's not on a level of connection. So I guess that no. is such a big thing for you when you're sat face to face with someone who's living in a new country in awful circumstances mm. and you know that that connection is meaningful and it's going to have purpose that is what you're searching for and you can't necessarily always get that at a swanky awards do that well, you're obliged to be at. it doesn't even mm. have to be this kind of deep meaningful you know but if somebody's authentic yes then it's easy mm. but those kind of bollocks conversations where mm. you're like i know you're just looking over my head <laughs> The whole fucking time. It just makes me uncomfortable. I think, just go away. Do you feel like a bit of an anomaly in that sense, in that industry then? Because oh, yeah, there are a lot of others like you. There are some, but I think people just are great at the thing and I'm not great at the thing. Mm. I'm Even, not great at that thing either. No. But I would say that you were, you know, meeting you, I think you're probably brilliant at it. You're probably brilliant at it, but you... I, mean, I don't necessarily always enjoy it. This is a silly example, but I'm not going to a thing tonight. But I'm gonna. I'm really excited to go to Pizza Express instead. And I sometimes go, oh, but I should be like doing that more and be out there and this and that. But I don't ever really want to be doing that. Yeah. What am I getting out of that, or what am I experiencing from that? Yeah. And it's, it's well, it bizarre. always feels a bit empty. I yeah. get quite excited because, as you know, as a mom, the sort of chance to dress up. Gets less and le- yes. less and less and less and less and less. And no, I find myself like in disgusting. Like a dad said to me in the playground, "You and I are the scruffiest fuckers in this playground." And I went, "Yeah, no, thanks." And he went, "But I don't give a fuck." And I was like, "I sort of don't either." Don't either. Don't but care. then sometimes you think, "Oh, just to mm. pluck my a reason to pluck my eyebrows," yeah. or as I say, shave my legs because mm. I was meeting you. First. What a treat! <laughs> So then I get quite excited about that minute yes. and the dressing up and the th- lovely thing, mm. and then I think. Oh, I don't want to go in here. I guess there's sort of room for it all. Like, you can be glamorous and you can have those moments, but your life is still deeply rooted in that authenticity and doing what feels right for you. And yeah. it's just knowing that. Really, I just always go, it? can I bring some mates? Do you do anything, sort of simple things daily or that are in your routine that help you stay on track, feeling good? I try and do yoga. I've done yoga for years and years and years. So I try and do, I love your morning yoga in your kitchen. It cracks me up. But I love it. Mm. And you can just put your mat out anywhere. Well, you're very good. I always think, right, I'm going to, I'm going to try and do that. And then it's like, it never, never happens. So when I do, I try and throw a mat wherever, you know what I mean? And just if it's 10 minutes or I'm such a weirdo, just light incense and hold a crystal. Whatever it is. I love crystals. Yeah. I'm a, love a crystal. Got them all around my bed, yeah, everywhere. Ev- I mean, they're everywhere. Mm, I sleep terribly, so I believe that if, if there's a crystal there, that's going to help me. I'm a bit bizarre about that yeah, one. no, I went through a phase of lying them on my yeah, body that's a good one. holding two like a fucking nutter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, good, now that worked. Yeah, yeah, I slept, yeah, yeah great. Really, if it works, we'll oh, do no, it. It's, it's till 12.30. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I was sort of convinced. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I, I love all that. I love all that stuff. Me too. If you have been in a very intense work situation, whether that be something charitable or something you know more actor based how do you get back ground get into your mum mode and home mode i am never the person that goes oh just i'll just sleep in the hotel and go home tomorrow i go i like search for the 12 connections to get home because of as stressful as that is when i see when i see my kid that's it it's all everything falls away to be in the moment and surrender to those to just fucking give in because then everything's easier and everything's more pleasurable so i tend to do that to go home and just get in it with them mm. that and a family size bag of maltesers i find 
Job done. Job done. Love that. I mean, I'm imagining you've had similar situations in your life to me where one moment you could be doing something perceived as quite glamorous, but could be quite exciting and fun. So I can think of one particular circumstance for me, and I'll say this without sounding like a wanker, I hope. Um, (laughs) I was interviewing Coldplay, and then an hour later, I was physically removing a human turd from my bathroom floor. (laughs) And it was like there's a 45-minute gap between the two. And it was just a very comforting moment. I didn't think, oh, why am I having to do this? I thought... I'm really glad that that's how my day's gone. That's been the narrative of my day. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I've got a spade that I've found out of a bucket and spade and I'm, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm getting the pill off the floor. And, and that's a great way of just integrating back into family life. It is very instant. Yes. And comforting. Human turds do it every time. Every time. <clears throat> and there's so much of it as yeah. well. Yeah. So I had to juggle a poo out of Teddy's leggings the other day wow. you know, by kind of pushing it. It's like a terrible game. <laughs> A game show where you always lose. (laughs) You always (laughs) are covered in shit by the end. Always. Well, look, Lena, it's been such a joy talking to you. I'm so grateful and happy that you came to see us today. Finally. Thank you. No, thanks for having me. Sorry, I've just talked nonsense. I mean, not nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Happy nonsense. Lovely nonsense. Yes. Well, that is an interview that has it all. Fame, depression and human poo. Thanks so much to the wonderful Lena for finding the time to come to talk to us. Keep sharing what's on your mind because it obviously does help. Now, next week, it's the last in the series. We'll be taking a little break, but I can tell you we are already planning new episodes. So if you haven't already, please do subscribe to get new episodes as they drop. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Entail and all the many podcast apps that are out there. Next week for the season finale, we'll meet the amazing Gok One. Until then, thanks again to Lena, to the producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, and of course, you gorgeous people for listening. I love you. I'll see you soon.